Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Almost all of us have had times where we look at a mound of work and just sigh. It can be overwhelming and cause us to lose motivation or fall prey to distractions. Productivity, creativity, and quality suffer when we lack the self-discipline of a strong work ethic. In this episode, we're talking about improving your work ethic. We'll look at things that you can do to adjust your own attitude, things to adjust your environment and work relationships, as well as review some time management skills. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? I was awakened early Tuesday morning to tornado warnings. We had a tornado that came through, I think it hit Ashland City, I'm not sure, but it basically uh, was about four or five miles north of here and skipped and tore through downtown Nashville, You know, hit Germantown, East uh, Nashville, Donaldson, Hermitage, Lebanon, and Cookville. And I'm trying to think if it hit anything else further out that way. Tremendous amount of damage. Not where I live, but, you know, where a lot of people I know live. You know, just waiting to hear back from people was kind of a little bit nerve-wracking, you know, because I knew some people who were right in the path of it. My wife's Mm -hmm. parents, there was a church that got flattened near them. A good friend of mine who lives in Hermitage or lived in Hermitage. Actually, I think he moved out towards Mount Juliet, which got nailed too. His business is in Hermitage and it destroyed three businesses on either side of him. But because where he is, is in a low spot, it didn't do any apparent damage. So it's like the tornado smacked those and then jumped. Yeah. (laughs) So he's, he said he's out of power and they won't have power back for like two weeks because they're fixing the residential places first. Yeah. You know, which makes sense. So, you know, he was talking about having to like go in there and, you know, kill power to the building because apparently there was still power there, but it was really like up and down and, you know, that's rough on equipment Mm -hmm. and having to pull everything out of there and put it in his truck and take it home and hook it back up. Yeah. And, you know, moved his ops, you know, to his house, which apparently got spared too. So, yeah, it was pretty scary. There's a lot, there's a lot of people really suffering right now in Tennessee. It's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Our friend, Wendy. She used to live up here. I texted her on her birthday the other day and she asked me about how Nashville was doing. And uh, I was like, it's rough, but uh, it's Nashville. We pulled together in a crisis. Yeah. I mean, like my daughter went to North Nashville today with a bunch of kids from her school and they're uh, getting all the debris off the street. So, yeah, I mean, everybody's pulling together. It's just, there's a lot. It's an insane amount of damage. It is. Yeah. Beyond that, I'm back to kind of liking Angular. Um, so it's an odd week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, give or take. You know, it's like stuff will click for me and then I hit a wall. And mm-hmm. I push through it and then it cl- clicks for me for a while and I hit a wall. It's, I mean, it's just like when I learned C Sharp. It's just that was a while back. So uh, that's going well and I'm I'm enjoying it. So how about you? Well, uh I was pretty far out of the path of destruction out in the boonies where I live. I did, when I was uh, driving home Monday night pretty late, hear the the warnings on the radio, but they were for counties, like a few counties away. And it was much later in the night when it actually hit Nashville. I woke up and found out about it. You know, the interesting thing too was that a lot of people did not get warnings on their phones. Like my wife and I didn't, as you know, as her mother calling that let us know. And so I kind of wonder if that didn't contribute to some of the death toll as well. Yeah, there was some people that did and some people that didn't. It was it was weird. So when this episode airs, Amanda and I will be down in Huntsville, Alabama at We Rock IT conference. It's a two-day conference featuring all disciplines of technology and showing how they interact. I'll be speaking on dealing with failure in development. Uh, It's a fun, interactive talk. Also, this will be the first time Amanda has been to one of my talks. So that's going to be a lot of fun. 
in school. So I've been doing pretty well in uh, in this class, though I got an 80 on uh, one of my homework assignments recently. Uh, that was quite frustrating. I completely missed one of the problems on the assignment, even though I did exactly what it said to do. It talked about the eight queens problem and said to display one possible solution to the problem. So I wrote a program that displays a solution. Nowhere in the assignment did it say to solve the problem. I missed that entire assignment because I didn't programmatically solve it. And I I wrote to the professor, I'm like, hey, the assignment says display a solution. It didn't say solve the problem. I'll do that if you want me to. Like I offered to actually do that, but it didn't say to do that in the assignment. We'll see how that goes. I am selling my old wedding band. About time for that. Yeah, it's time to get rid of it. Uh, Got it appraised this past week. Funny thing, when I asked where to sell it, my jeweler friend said I should try Facebook Marketplace. And then he said, since they did the appraisal, when I find a buyer, I can have them meet me there at the jewelry store, sort of a safe place, you know, in public. Yeah, that's a good idea because otherwise you're just going to get robbed. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts on that one. Yeah. So they, they said I could come there. By the way, if you are in Middle Tennessee and looking for a gift for someone, check out Jay Mullins Jewelry and Gifts. I've known the Mullins family most of my life since I was about five and trust them with all of my fine jewelry needs. <laughs> Little plug for my friend's business there. Just uh, didn't tell him I was going to do that. I just, when I was writing this up, I'm like, I got to do it. I got to do it. So, and we are almost to the end of our book and book club. So let's go ahead and get into it. Final chapter of the Healthy Programmer Get Fit, Feel Better, and Keep Coding by Joe Kuttner is titled Onward Healthy Programmer in that tone as well. The chapter starts with a story about Dr. Jeremy Morris, whose research into life expectancy associated with your job led him to become a prolific advocate of general fitness back in the 1950s. He was looking at double-decker bus drivers in London and found that the ones who spent all day walking up and down the stairs on the bus lived longer and healthier lives than the ones who just sat and drove the whole time. He remained physically active up until his death in 2009 at the age of 99. Wow. Now, unfortunately for a lot of us, our jobs don't provide the physical activity necessary to remain healthy. The first section of this chapter talks about continuous improvement. In it, Kuttner describes the Japanese concept of Kaizen, which literally translated means good change, but conceptually is more akin to continual improvement. He goes on to talk about setting up continual improvement on your health and fitness routine. In the next section, he talks about creating social habits. Here, Kuttner talks about how making changes in our lives can be hard and is made easier through encouragement of our friends and family. In the final section, he talks about the joy of being healthy. He talks sort of about how the suggestions in the book are designed to be fun and productive. This is a rather short chapter, but it closes out the book nicely. Uh, so check out the book in uh, in the show notes for a link on where to get it. Who's talking to us this week? Well, we got a email from Jane Sandwood about our episode, uh, Recovering from Burnout, saying, Hi there. In Japan, so many people burn out from overworking that they have unique terms for it, including Kiroshi, which is death from overwork, and Hikikomori, which is people who burn out from social pressure and become recluses. According to UK statistics, men average 39 hours of work a week while women average 34. There are various reasons for this, but across the world, anyone can end up burning out from overwork. We all have our natural limits, which vary from individual to individual. While working in a busy office in my early 20s, I was forced to do a huge amount of overtime, 
often unpaid, to see that contracts were completed on time. I was fraying at the edges and eventually left the company. My health and well-being had to come first. And she goes on to mention the episode and a few personal things we won't say on air. Best regards, Jane. Jane, burnout and overwork are rough and can absolutely destroy a person's motivation and work ethic. I picked this this email specifically for this episode because I knew it would really apply. And didn't you write the episode on recovering from burnout? I believe so, yeah, because I was getting burnout <laughs> about that yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I've I've left several jobs, including some good ones, you know, some that were otherwise good just because it was at the point of burnout. You know, it's not just the um it's not just the workload, but it's like the results you get from that workload that make a difference too. Yeah. So Jane, thanks so much for commenting on the episode. Send us an email to waterbottle at completedeveloperpodcast.com because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own Complete Developer Water Bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr. And if you pay attention to our Instagram, I will be posting some photos from the conference while I am down there. So while it's not going on right now, I will make sure and remember to do that when this episode comes out. You can join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Your advertisement could be here. <laughs> I love doing that bit. If you like the show and would like to advertise on here, send us an email to adverts at completedeveloperpodcast.com. We have short-term, long-term, and other sponsorship opportunities. Reach out to us and let us help you reach the people who you are serving. Surveys and studies indicate that the most common reason for missing work is being sick, and that's in quotes. Uh, while this is a general term for many different things, other studies show that on average, 30% of workers call in sick when they are not actually ill. This doesn't include using sick days because you're out of PTO. Uh, when pressed in other studies, workers gave reasons such as not feeling like going in, needing to relax, needing a mental health day, etc., Many of these employees calling in sick when they are actually healthy lack motivation or a desire to accomplish tasks at work. They have a poor or low work ethic. A work ethic is a set of values and ideals based on hard work and discipline. Building a strong work ethic means training yourself to be disciplined and follow these values. Different companies and industries value different things when it comes to work ethic. Some may value time in the office, while others value the number of tasks that are accomplished. Even others value quality of work, so the fewer bugs your code produces, the better off you are. Uh, regardless of the particular industry's values, a good work ethic includes time management, focus, discipline, and dedication. We're going to discuss several ways in which you can improve your work ethic. First, we'll look at taking care of yourself and building your own set of standards. Then we'll discuss comparing your standards with your coworkers, as well as building relationships and reputation. Next, we'll discuss building habits that will positively influence your work ethic. And finally, we'll discuss time management and procrastination. So the first order of business is that you have to take care of yourself. Being physically healthy will make you more productive at work, or at least it will help you be more productive. Being unhealthy will tend to make you feel lethargic. It'll make you uh, less willing to do things just in general. And this can come from a lack of sleep. It can come from not exercising. It can come from you know, poor quality food, all kinds, of, all kinds of stuff. I'll be honest. It's amazing how much replacing just sugary drinks with water makes a difference. Yep. Yeah, I've replaced it with coffee, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, well, I, I do a blend of coffee and water. That's how I know I'm an adult. But I still every now and then have have one or two just to sort of you know keep my youth. Right. <laughs> I just drink uh, a pot of coffee. <laughs> yeah. Part of having a good work ethic is also knowing when it's time to not be working. Working too much leads to mistakes and being overwhelmed. Um, this in turn leads to burnout 
where you're extremely unproductive. And we, we mentioned the recovering from burnout episode before. We've had several episodes that talk about or around burnout because it is such a pervasive problem in development. Yeah, it really is. I mean, people don't realize how critical recharge time is, but you really do need it Mm -hmm. because it makes you a better person to work with, for one thing, because you're not overly stressed. It also means that you make fewer mistakes Mm -hmm. and it it also makes it a lot easier for you to empathize with other people, including the users of the app that you're building. Now, another thing that we've sort of been talking about in book club the last few months is exercising, and that will increase your energy level. Physical exercise will help your body, but it'll also energize your mind. Lack of exercise kind of leads to an imbalance of hormones and neurotransmitters. Yeah, I mean, if you push yourself, um, especially physically, it helps you build self-discipline, but it also makes you just generally feel better. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I get stuck, you know, I'll go lift weights. My, my weight room is like, you know what, 15 paces from my desk, maybe. Yeah. And I tell you what, man, you get out there and you, you deadlift. I mean, the iron never lies. And the thing about pushing yourself, and we, we've talked about this in book club in this, this book we've been going through, but the thing about it is it's not, it's pushing yourself based on where you are. Right. Not based on where some, you know, Olympic weightlifter is just, yeah, or, or based day. on where someone else who may be doing it longer or someone who just has a more natural strength than you, you you start where you are and you push a little bit more. You push yourself more than what you, you did the day before. And right. that's what causes growth. Yeah, of course, the other side of that is you also need to be well-rested. You know, productivity does not happen like you want it to if you're not rested. So if you're, you know, really tired, you know, not just procrastinating, but like actually exhausted physically or mentally, that means you need a break and you need to take that break before you try to do something else. This is more than just getting enough sleep. And that amount of sleep varies person to person. What we're talking about here is being mentally rested, which could be reading a novel. I know Will likes to play video games. I enjoy painting and hiking, just things to give yourself a break from the productive work. Right. And I use cooking for this a lot of times too. Yeah. I forgot to mention cooking. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think the big thing is, is you take things where you don't really get to control the pace past a certain point. Mm -hmm. And it's just a different, you know, it's a different headspace and it relaxes the headspace you have to have for development. Yeah, that's true. Now, another thing you kind of need to be doing is you need to have your own set of standards. Like you can't do this through external validation very well, not compared to what you can do with your own internal. These standards are going to help you define what your work ethic is. You want to set them high. That gives you something to aim toward. You want them to be above where you are now. Yeah. So like your goal is to get better. And you want to accept the fact that you are in charge of how your career is going to work. So that means that you have to improve it if you want it to improve. It's it's not going to happen on its own. Mm-hmm. And that also means if you don't like your situation at work, you have to set your goals towards improving it or getting out. You know, it's yeah. it's goal driven. It's not complaint driven. You can use your standards to develop a professional attitude. Professionalism is more than just dressing nice and showing up on time, saying the right things, that sort of stuff. It involves your attitude, your values, and how you carry yourself. Yeah, I mean, you you should be positive and polite pretty much as much as you can be. Well, this is a practice. So like, this isn't something that you just... Like some people you you look at and you're like, oh, they're just naturally positive and polite. And... Yeah, there is a a natural component to it, but they've also developed the practice of being positive and polite in bad situations, in rough situations. So it's something that you have to put effort into. And there's a feedback loop there too, which is the other thing too. Like it, they're polite and nice to other people and reasonable and other people tend to know that and don't 
come at them aggressively. So the situations aren't as bad around them Mm -hmm. just as a result. Yeah. And that goes right into, you know, the whole respect for other people. You know, this, this includes the, the whole thing that a lot of developers have a whole lot of trouble with, which is, you know, avoiding gossip. Yeah. That's definite major problem. Avoiding gossip. And it also helps when you understand people and their motivations. That's one of the things we try to do with some of the episodes on the podcast is to provide you guys the tools to be able to understand people and how they behave so that when they do something that fits their personality, you're not surprised. And I think Will has said it several times, you know, when people are surprised, they get upset when it's something that's expected, you know, they're not upset. Right. So you can control yourself and your reactions by understanding people's personality types. And then when they behave within their personality type, instead of being like, well, why is this person like all angry? You're like, they're not angry. That's just their communication style. Yeah. Or it, they are angry and it's something else and it's not. Yeah. There's, you. there's that too. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, what I'm getting at is it could just be the way they express themselves. And so, you know, by knowing that or by knowing, you know, that, you know, they're motivated by this other thing or, or that other thing, you can control yourself and show them respect. And what this does is it helps you to build your reputation as an honest and consistent employee. And we're going to talk a bit more about reputation in a little bit. Now, creating standards is one thing. Following them is an entirely different thing. Uh, Most people seem like their personal standards are probably about as impactful as the diet that they pick on January 1st. Yeah. It takes a lot of self-discipline. Yeah. I mean, you got to focus on what your actual goals are that you had when you set the standards. And you kind of got to like stick with that. You can't be distracted by short-term quick gratification stuff. You've uh, you got to put in the effort and you're going to have to be persistent in maintaining those standards. Like if, you know, if one day you decide, okay, I'm going to show up on time and I'm going to be reliable. Like the day after that, people are not expecting you to be reliable still. If you've got five years of not being reliable yeah. before that, it takes them a while to, to get it. And it takes you a while to get used to it. Yeah. And coming back from a bad reputation is very difficult so much so that we have a card on the Kanban just for an episode on that. We're actually building up to that episode over the last year or so. There's a lot of things like when we put it on there, there's a lot of things that we wanted to do and we're getting a lot closer. And so we'll, we will probably culminate a lot of these types of episodes with that one. So just a little heads up on what's coming down the pike. Speaking of that kind of stuff, you want to use introspection to learn how self-discipline feels um, and how that feels different from being lazy. Yeah, especially like paying attention to how you feel when you approach something in a disciplined way and handled it versus how you feel when you're lazy and you don't do the work. Because there's a definite difference between how one of those feels and how the other feels. And really, the disciplined approach does feel better, um, especially when you're on the other side of the the thing that you're having <laughs> to deal with. That's true. It's it's amazing just how much laziness really drains your energy and motivation, and you don't realize it's going on. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I can give a very practical example. I've got stuff on my to-do list right now, and I've been kicking the can on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and a lot of it's because I've got a lot going on at the same time and, you know, everything else. But I mean, I see that list every day and it's just mentally draining Yeah, because I know I have that crap sitting out there and it's not handled and I know I'm going to have to handle it and it's just piling up. And mm-hmm. I tell you, it, it would be way better just to spend the effort to go ahead and burn the rest of those things down just so I don't have to look at them. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And another one could be, you know, if you sit down to watch TV and don't time box yourself with that, like it's one thing to sit down and go, all right, I'm going to take a mental break or what I, I like to do it at the end of the day so that I don't have to, so I can like watch until I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go to bed kind yeah. of thing. 
but if you're going to like time box yourself or you know if you sit down to relax and you don't be like all right put a time box on there and be very disciplined about getting up you're not going to get up and go do stuff afterward so now that we've talked about setting your own standards the next thing is you want to look at your coworkers' ethics for comparison. Compare yourself to those who come into work excited to be there, who really love what they do. Look not only at their attitude, but also at their productivity. Right. You should always be asking yourself if they are more productive than you. Because sometimes they come in and they're not. Yeah. They're happy to be there because they're not working that hard and they know it. <laughs> you know? But boy, yeah. are they cheerful. Yep. But you also want to look at, is their difference in attitude affecting how they perform on the job? Like, if they have a positive attitude and they're being productive, what are they doing differently from you? Because wouldn't it be so much better to enjoy coming to work and be productive? Right. Attitude really impacts performance a lot. When you're comparing your work ethic to others, make sure that their performance at least matches yours. At least if you're trying to, you know, look at somebody as a inspiration model Mm -hmm. for what to do. A lot of people do really have positive attitudes and don't have the performance to back it up. And that's not good work ethic. No, it's usually medication. (laughs) Seriously, I was thinking of it, I wasn't going to say it. I worked in an office years ago where the owner of the company would come in in the morning and he was just stomping around, you know, down in the doldrums and he'd go to the bathroom for 15 minutes and come out rubbing his nose and excited. Um, yeah, so you don't want to compare yourself to those people because that's, that's not what we're trying to get you to do. The other thing too is the person with whom you compare yourself doesn't have to be a coworker. You may have a significant other or a close friend who loves their work while you can barely get to yours and just drudge through it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it I think honestly, if they're not a coworker, it's probably better because then you can yeah. you feel comfortable with stuff like asking them why are they yeah. so happy. Whereas like if you ask that of a coworker, I can't imagine the conversational gymnastics that are going to have to happen before that to make you not come across as a weirdo, even though it's a legit (laughs) question, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. That's just funny the way you said it. So next, learn what distractions you face and set yourself up to avoid them when working. Distractions divert your focus from doing important work. This means you'll not be able to put the attention and focus into doing your work that you need to. It also reduces your emotional connection to the business and your coworkers. And overall, distractions reduce your work ethic. Yeah, and everybody has them. Yes. Right? For a lot of people on the clock in tech offices, it's social media. They've got their Mm -hmm. phone and they're messing around on Facebook or Insta or whatever, and they're not working. Uh, some other people, it may be video games, it may be TV. It might be you listen to podcasts and you don't focus on your work, um, mm-hmm. potentially, right? Like, don't do that. Yeah, whereas for others, it may be they are getting distracted by work items, like bugs or tasks that aren't their primary focus. Yeah, one thing I've been struggling with at work is PRs. You know, when somebody mm-hmm. else has a pull request, I try to get on it quick because I'm trying to keep the team velocity up, but it interrupts what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And I haven't got the balance right on that yet. And I think it's very easy for work legitimately to be this kind of problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like work can be a distraction from work. Sometimes too, it may be that you're allowing yourself to get distracted by simpler tasks because you just don't want to do something. Yeah. Or you're hoping that somebody else will take it. <laughs> you know? Well, have you ever worked with someone who, when you asked them to do something, they were right on it. But as soon as someone else asked them to do something, they stopped what they were doing and went to do that. It's yeah. like whoever spoke to them most recently was the highest priority. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen CEOs like that. Yeah. And their companies work about that way. It's miserable for everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you got to watch stuff. You know, email people coming in the office to talk. Uh, you know, Slack messages, those kind of things. One of the main reasons I left one job was because of those kind of interruptions. Like management would not let me manage my disruptions like that, and they wanted me to just make it up with my own personal time. Yeah, that's I not left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, this takes some self awareness to recognize what distracts you. Like you have to really pay attention, especially if it is a work distraction, because you're still doing something. Yeah. Even though it may not be as productive or it may not be productive at all. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with people that refactor things over and over again. It's like, yeah, they're yeah. working. Ish. <laughs> but they're not getting anything done. Yeah, that's that's the point, uh, is, is that productivity, that getting stuff done. Now, once you are able to recognize your distractions, avoid or eliminate them as much as possible. So this could be turning off notifications, not allowing yourself to open up social media. If you work from home, not having a TV in the area where you work, it's best to have a separate room for your office. That's not always possible for everyone. I mean, you remember when I had the one bedroom apartment? Yeah. Like I, I turned the sunroom into my office, but I was very strict about not having the TV on while working. Yeah. Because I knew that would be a distraction. One thing that will help a lot is checking email only at certain times. So once or twice a day, unless you have to be available more frequently. If you're a developer, you should question having to be available more frequently than that. A lot of times it's people going, oh, I'm just going to schedule a meeting for 10 minutes from now and expect you to you know, respond to the meeting invite because I can't plan ahead like an adult. That's their problem. It should not be yours. This is something I really push on pretty hard. It's like you should not be living in your email client. Yeah. And you need to make sure that your management understands that. Because if you have a manager who supports you and says, all right, no, if you can't, like, doesn't force you to go to those meetings like that, then you're in a good place. If management does not support you and says, oh, no, you have to drop everything and go to these meetings. Now, every now and then having an emergency meeting because it's an actual emergency. Yeah, it's different. We're talking about we're having a planning meeting for a project we're going to start in three months. And I just sent you the invite 10 minutes ago. Yeah. No, oh, and they walk have... over to your desk to ask you if you got it. Yeah. That's my other favorite. It's like, can I not like electrify the doorknob or something so that you <laughs> don't come in here? <laughs> yeah. And when you, when you got to focus, I mean, you really have to cut that crap out. Like don't let your email notifications come up. You know, set an away message, turn off notifications for stuff like Slack, like really, really shut it down. Realistically, if you're working on something that's highly focused and you're providing value, you should not allow other people to reach in there and screw that up. Yeah, that's true. So once you're able to remove distractions, you will be able to stay focused uh, as long as needed. Yeah, of course, the trick to that is building the persistence where you can stay focused. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't seem to um, do that very well because we don't really have a culture on this planet really right now that protects that very well. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you and I get asked, you know, how do we get all this stuff done, right? Like, you know, you're going back to school, you're doing all this stuff at church, you've got the podcast, you've got a full-time job, you've got a girlfriend, you know, you're learning guitar, you still have time to take your dog and go hike, like when you get asked, how do you do that? Well, a lot of it is, is, well, we did less than that a year ago and we did less than that a year before that. Like this isn't, we didn't just flip a switch. Yeah. And that's something that I've talked to other highly active people, highly motivated people. And they, they talk about, you know, it's funny. You see these really successful people and you only see like the straight line from where they were to where they are. What you don't see is that, you know, all the work that they put in behind the scenes. Yeah. And basically load testing their schedule. Yeah. So a way to build persistence and to train yourself is to work for set intervals, like kind of incrementally increasing the time of each work interval. 
So like you set a focused time and we're going to talk more about this in a little bit, but just uh, when we're talking about building habits, but set a, an interval of, all right, I'm going to work very hard, very focused for the next hour. Yeah. And then, you know, do that for a little while and go, all right, this is easy. I can do this without much effort, without worry about distractions. All right, now I'm going to move it up to an hour and a half. Yeah. Or you're going to do two one hour ones is the other way I've seen that yeah. off with some degree of success, mm-hmm. which is the whole Pomodoro thing. They're not an yeah. hour, but they're like 25 minutes, but it's roughly the same. It works really well. You do need to make sure to balance your working hard with getting enough rest because you don't want to risk burning out. Right. And you, like you cannot get up to the level where you're doing a crazy amount of work in one day. Like it takes years. Yeah. To get to that point and to get your systems in place, really, is mm-hmm. a lot of it too. So yeah, you gotta you gotta be careful. There's gonna be times where you're able to do more or less. And there should be times like right now, we'll list it out all the stuff that I'm doing. This summer, I'm not gonna have school, you know, not gonna be leading a group at church. Yeah, there's a, I'm gonna be stepping back from a lot of things, partly because I've got two weddings to go to and like a lot of travel but also just to give myself a little bit of a break so that when school starts back in the fall, I can add school in, but I may step back from another thing. And so there's a little give and take there as you go along with it. Yeah. And I think that's something you and I both do really well is we orchestrate and plan the downbeat. Mm -hmm. Well, we do that well now. We haven't always. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Because <laughs> like 20 years ago, not so much. Oh, Remember that no. last uh, semester of college for me? <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, we were both, uh, we were both pushing it. I wrote 260 pages of code that, that yeah. fall. I still have it printed out because I printed it on the school printer before I left. Cause I was like, yeah, they can pay for that ink. <laughs> Put me through that. So uh, speaking of that, the next thing is you need to build and maintain a good reputation at work. Yeah. And this is a lot of work. You have to actually cultivate this. This isn't something that shows up, you know, totally formed. Like even if you made a good impression in the interview, you still have to maintain that. And this, you know, this implies obviously being honest with your coworkers and your managers. You also have to follow the rules, especially stuff about punctuality, you know, breaks, time off, activities that you are allowed and not allowed to do on the clock. And you also have to be personable with your coworkers. You should not be creating drama. You shouldn't be participating in it. Yeah. Also, like part of being personable is going out to lunch with them, hanging out with them. Just the other day, I had a few meetings in the office and beforehand I was sitting sitting in like the common work area and two of the guys like that uh, I normally hang out with at lunchtime came up and like hey a lot of people are in meetings or in training what do you want to do for lunch I was like I've got meetings at lunchtime I'm sorry <laughs> you know but I had because I had been going out to lunch with them you know for years now they immediately thought just come and say hey you know what do you want to do for lunch? What do, you know, let's discuss it. And I'm like, well, you guys have fun. I've got to be in a meeting. <laughs> yeah. But like that took time. When I first started, my manager took me out to lunch and I would go out with the other developer I worked with and one of his friends. Yep. And like those were the people I knew. And over time, it grew to where I knew more and more people. But this isn't something that, like Will said, it doesn't just happen, it takes effort to build that. And even the shyest introvert can do it. I, not on my team, but in our domain, our group of developers, I know some very shy introverts who still have friends and who still like come up and talk to me because they know me. But, you know, it's like very shy introverted people, but they have done this. They have cultivated that reputation. Yeah. And I think cultivation is a great way to phrase that, right? Because you're not Mm -hmm. building it. It's not a static thing like a house where you stack up a bunch of bricks and it stays there, generally speaking. It's cultivating something. It's like growing a bonsai tree. Yeah. And one screw up can ruin the whole thing. Yeah. 
And you got to be really, really careful about that. People forget the good stuff that you've done and they remember the bad stuff on average. Being dependable will earn respect from coworkers and it helps build your reputation. I mean, that's a real key point here. This is kind of the, the cornerstone of building a good reputation. Your coworkers, your managers, even people you don't work with very often are going to be grateful when you get a job done on time. Yeah. And if it didn't cause them headaches, I mean, I've, I've got a really good team now and I don't have to worry if, you know, somebody gets a ticket and my stuff is dependent on that being done. I don't Mm -hmm. have to worry that that's going to be late and make me late. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, yeah, that's a, something that you become very grateful for just being in that environment. And mm-hmm. um, one thing in all this, too, is you want to be able to do this. And the way you do this is you have to construct a set of habits that work and drive you towards this goal. And that's a huge, huge part of the whole process. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most critical thing in this episode. Yes. And it's also the largest point in this episode. The interesting thing about this is there's only three habits that we're going to talk about here, but they are very key to building that positive work ethic. And the first one is to develop a habit of persistence. Yeah, which interestingly enough, the development of habits helps you get persistent because <laughs> you have to have persistence to do that, which is why it's the first one. Yeah, you got to think about this kind of like building endurance for a race. You start small and you gradually add to it. Like you're not going to be the perfect employee tomorrow if you're not today. Yeah. You got to measure how long you're going to be able to effectively work before you get tired or before you get easy to distract. And you have to be honest with yourself about when those things have happened. Mm-hmm. Periodically take one day and work harder and longer than normal on that day, but then make the following day sort of a light day. Once you've done this a couple of times, you'll be able to plan it so that when you know you're going to have a light day, like for me, I go into the office on Thursdays. I know Thursdays are going to be a lot of social interactions, a lot of just catching up with my coworkers, maybe some meetings, not a lot of heavy focus, not a lot of coding. Like it's just, I built that into my schedule. So if I'm working on something that's going to take a lot of focus, I'll probably push hard on Wednesday. Yeah. So that you're ahead on Thursday. So you're not having to be stressed out. Yeah. A a little bit of that, but also that helps me like, this is when I, I put that day where I'm stretching myself. So I will try to stay focused for longer amounts of time on Wednesday. Also, I know I'm going to go to church Wednesday night and see a lot of my friends and hang out. And, you know, I'm going to get my extrovert is going to get fed. I was going to say that wouldn't help me at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a nice thought. It's like, yeah, yeah. that would. Uh, and, and by the way, just as an aside, we're not talking about like work a 15 hour day here, right? Yeah. Like most of the time as a developer, you're probably not working an eight hour day. Mm-hmm. realistically. What we're talking about here is like we said earlier with the, you know, give yourself setting those intervals. Well, this is the day to push that, that one hour interval to a two hour interval of focused work. Like right. these are the days, you know, the, the one day to work harder and longer than a normal day doesn't mean you spend more than eight hours or so working. It means you spend more focused time during those eight hours working. Right. Because if you're really focused, you're not going to make it to eight hours more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing you can do is when you're feeling like quitting, like you're working hard on something, you're just, you're worn out. You're really just like, all right, I just, I need to stop. I need to stop. And this, this works for more than just on the job. It could be in your personal life or other things. But when you're feeling like quitting, do another 20% before you stop and take a break. Yeah, at least get to a point where you didn't quit. You decided to take a break. Yeah. So like you feel like quitting, you're exhausted, you're tired. Like, all right, I'm going to set like, I'm going to set a point 20% down the line. So you've, you know, you've been working for four hours. You give yourself a little bit more time. So, all right, I'm tired at four hours. I'm going to, I'm going to do one more hour and well, that's, one quarter, so that's 25%. But 
you know, you know, guys know what I mean. Yeah, I was like, math. I was like wondering, I was like, okay, is he write this down or is he doing this math in his head? And now I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't really have to hit 20%, right? Like it could be above yes. or below. Yeah, it's it's around that. These are this is sort of a you know, but the goal here is to not quit when you're tired, but to push yourself just a little bit. It goes back to what we were talking about with exercising. Push yourself just a little bit more. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's really helpful when you do this too is you is you you say, okay, I'm at a natural break point if I'm mm-hmm. thinking about quitting. Go to where it's not a natural one. Go to where you know what the next item is and then stop so that it's easier to start tomorrow. Yeah, that's a good point too. And the whole idea here is to stretch your focus and persistence so that you'll be able to work longer and harder on normal days before you need a break. Yeah, and then you just balance that with times of rest so that you don't get burnt out. Um, the goal yeah. here is not to work yourself to death. It's to make your work effective. Mm-hmm. The next habit to develop is focus. Your aim is for bursts of focused time. And this can be draining. Yeah, it will be draining. If you're really focused and you're doing what you're supposed to, you're going to be tired at the end of it, especially if you haven't done this in a while. Combined with persistence practices, your ability to remain focused is going to grow over time. Like this is how you stretch your limits. We kind of mentioned it a little earlier, but you can start by using something like the Pomodoro technique to time box yourself on a particular task. Yeah, I, and I try to do that periodically with with software development. And you're right, it's like, it's a on-ramp to doing it, but like it does not work for me like in practice yeah. because of the time. Yeah. During the time, you need to remain completely focused on the task. Don't allow yourself to get distracted or rest until the time is up. And this is easier to do when you are not in the office like, or you can shut yourself off to not get other people coming in and distracting you. Um, you want to rest between times of intense focus, especially by moving around or allowing yourself to indulge in distractions. Yeah, I mean, you know, at a previous job, I would work really, really focused for a while, and then I'd go walk. And yeah, it was great. It it helped, you know, recover my focus quite a bit. Yeah. It's amazing. I'll take my dog out and play with him or walk around the yard with him. And it really does. Or if I'm in the office, I'll go walk around the building if it's raining or go outside for a little bit. It's amazing. Yeah. And your brain, it's just like stuff will unstick too. So if you were mm-hmm. stuck on a problem, it, it breaks loose then. Yeah. Allow a bit of ramp up time for the next high focus. So don't expect yourself to come in from this break and jump right back into it, but you need to allow yourself a little bit of time just to ramp back up to that focus. Yeah, and that's why I suggested a small, easily accomplished task that's not complete. Yeah. You know, if you leave that, it seems like it helps you get that momentum quicker. You can stick mm-hmm. the landing. The next thing you need to do as far as habits go is to have a habit of doing things right the first time. A lot of people, especially in tech, seem to think that the whole agile thing means that we don't test and we, well, we can just fix it next time real quick. And that's not a mindset you want to get in if you want to actually be productive. If you hurry to finish up a task or project, you'll have low quality and that thing will come back around. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean like, you know, gold plate it and have it absolutely perfect, but it it does mean that you have to have a reasonable standard that means that this thing is not going to come back around for trivial, stupid reasons. Yeah. For example, when you're coding, using useful variable names is basically a minimum, whereas creating extensive documentation may not be necessary for what you're accomplishing now. Right. What you can do here is set aside a time for cleaning up after you create something. Solving a problem or creating something new can be messy. It is messy. Give yourself time to go back and clean up the code after you get the problem solved. One way to do this is to set two deadlines for yourself, a deadline to complete the task and a deadline to review and polish it. Yeah. We have a review column on our Kanban board. So like we write an episode and then we put it into the review column so that the other person knows, hey, this episode is 
ready for review. And then we move it over into our ready to record. Yeah. And it's for that reason, because otherwise you get outlines that don't make sense to other people. And you should also take some time between milestones on a task or a project and work on something else. So, you know, grab some bugs, get away from some of the problems a little bit. Mm -hmm. This just makes you smarter in general about dealing with all the other stuff. Now, it might be the case that you're working on something that you can't go back and undo. In these cases, you want to take extra time and care the first time. Right. So working on it. if you're doing like what I was doing a, a month or so back, you know, changing the timestamp on every transaction in the system, you yeah. got to get that right. You know, it's like we're changing it. It's the same time, but it's a different, you know, we, we swapped it over to Eastern from UTC and it, mm-hmm. getting that right. It had to be done right the first time. Yeah. Speaking of time, the next point is in order to maintain a positive work ethic, you have to use your time wisely. And we have a quote from Benjamin Franklin, never leave till tomorrow, which you can do today. Right. And having a strong work ethic means that you start your day strong and on time. Uh, you don't want to be doing the thing of coming in and you know dragging around. You should already be good and awake when you get there, um, which I know well, a I lot struggle of people, with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of people do. Um, they also mistakenly believe that being late equates to laziness. Consistent tardiness could be from a lot of different issues. Could be you're unfamiliar with the traffic or you just have a poorly planned morning routine. Yeah, or you have a routine that has steps that have to happen at certain times and you can't get out of it. Like yeah. your your kid can't get on the bus till 20 after 8 in the morning and you you work 50 minutes away and you have to be there at 9. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. No. Whatever your reason For being late, you want to identify why you're consistently tardy. Once you know the problem, then you can adjust your morning routine to address what is causing you to run late, if possible, or you can adjust your time in. So if it's something that you can't control, like your kid's school schedule, then you can, at that point, you can go, hey, talk to your boss or your company and say, this is... This is the situation and try to work with them on that. What this is pointing to is you have to have a strong and consistent morning routine. Yeah. And the first step to that is, is when your alarm goes off, you get up. Yeah. Because if you don't, man, it is, it, it just ruins the character of the rest of the day just about. And by get up, we mean actually stand up and move around before turning off the alarm clock. Yeah, um, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, also on this, being punctual is a habit that can be developed with practice. Yeah, Trust just, me, I know. Yeah, oh yeah. Because <laughs> I remember when you started getting that in order and it completely messed me up because I was planning on you to be late yeah. uh, because, you know, constants are not surprises. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, uh, but you started doing some stuff like, I, I think honestly, you were telling yourself that you had to be there before you actually did, which is kind of how I approach it. I'm like, I want to be there yeah. 10 minutes early, at least. Yeah. Another thing is to give yourself a non-critical task to do before the thing which you're there to do. So I do this with church, especially when I'm when I'm supposed to get there for early for something. A lot of times I get there because I'm on the tech team. I have to get there early for the band to practice and for us to set everything up and get ready for when people show up. And so I will tell myself, all right, I need to get there early to reboot the computer before we start doing everything. It's a non-essential task. It doesn't have to be done. And if I don't get there early and do it, it's not going to destroy anything. But by doing that, I end up getting there about five to 10 minutes earlier than I have to be there. Yeah. You just kind of got to play games with yourself on this just about. Yeah. Now, the other thing in this list that you should do is you should start your day off doing something challenging that you would rather avoid. Uh, For Mm -hmm. me, this tends to be stuff like paperwork, stuff like filing (laughs) timesheets. You know, unfortunately, I, I really, really hate some of those tasks or, you know, writing documentation 
you know, scheduling meetings, those kind of things. I don't like that stuff. And so I'll do it first just to get it out of the way. You eat the frog, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, That comes from the old saying that if you eat a frog the first thing in the morning, more than likely everything else that day is less unpleasant. And so you've already been through the worst. Yeah. If at all possible, opt for working a flex schedule. You may find that your motivation dwindles around three in the afternoon or that it falls off mid-morning and picks back up after lunch. Yeah. Uh, If if that's the case, you might be hypoglycemic and should see a doctor, but don't take my word for it. Uh, There are a lot of benefits to working a flex schedule. It allows you to do your work when you are the most productive. You're still putting in the same amount of hours. They're just more focused and they can be broken up. It also allows for things like midday appointments or picking up your kids from school. Um, like I work when I'm working remote, I have a bit of a flex schedule and I'll get up early and get some work done. Cause I like getting done earlier in the day to have more time for other things in the evening, but I'll get up early, work for a bit, take a longer lunch break and like play with my dog. Sometimes Amanda comes over and brings her dog and we take him out and play with him and hang out for a little bit because her work, day starts around the time my work day ends yeah, um, just because of her jobs. And so that's one of the times that we get to hang out is on my lunch break. So I'll take a little bit of a longer lunch break and then come back and work the rest of my day. And it's nice. And, you know, it's good when you've got that ability. Um, A lot of offices, especially remote work situations, are moving toward a flex schedule. Yeah. And I actually talk about this in my upcoming book as well. Um, I think it's like chapter five or six. So yeah, if you, you know, hop over to simple programmer, you can, uh, you can see the sign up for that Just search for my name and it'll get you to that. But yeah, the, uh, the flex schedule is super duper helpful, especially for remote because of that. Cause I do the same thing you do. It's, it's like, I, Mm -hmm. I am able to really focus during my best focus time and not have to explain to somebody why at between two and three fifteen in the afternoon, I'm not getting much done. Yeah. That makes sense. Like with building the focus habit, you want to set aside specific times for work. Most of our work time is set by our employers. This means that you have to set aside times in your day and know when you'll be productive to get the heavy lifting done. When this this concept comes into play most is on things like side hustles or if you're in school. It could also be if you work a flex schedule or are self-employed and have some freedom over when you do your work. But um, take an introspective measure of your performance and find the times that you are most productive and make this your times of no disturbance. You know, yeah, if let you your friends... Yeah. Let your friends, family, and colleagues know not to interrupt you during that time. For example, the people in our lives know when we're recording and they know not to disturb us. Yeah. And, you know, also when your best work time is, you know, if you're working from home and you've got family in the house, that's important too. Mm -hmm. The introspection is probably one of the most critical things. And it's the hardest thing to get right because I think a lot of people really think they're a morning person or not and don't really know because they haven't really tested it. Um, So you're going to have to work at this. And that's also covered in my book. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that because I used to think that I was not a morning person. Uh Uh-huh. And it's not that I'm not a morning person. It's... That you enjoy the heck out of the evenings. (laughs) Well, I do. I, I am a night person. It's just it takes me a little while to wake up. So I can be a morning person. It's just don't expect me to do things the first hour I'm awake. Yeah. But after about an hour and I've got some coffee in me, I'm good to go. And I'm like getting like, if I get up early and I start work at six 30 or seven in the morning by about seven 30, eight o'clock, I'm rolling when other people are just starting to come in. Yeah. That so, matches my experience as well. Yeah. Also, we kind of hit on this too. You want to jump on tasks right away. Don't wait to begin. Having a strong work ethic means not waiting to get started on the things you have to do. It's very easy to never start if you delay getting started on something. 
procrastination can seriously hinder your ability to stay motivated. Well, yeah, if you put something off once, you know, that the seal is broken basically, right? Like you can do it again. And that's why it's so important to resist the temptation to procrastinate, especially when a task is important. If you develop a habit of performing tasks immediately, it will make it a lot easier on you because you don't have so many things piling up, sitting there waiting to get done. Mm-hmm. You want to keep the phrase, do it now, constantly in the back of your mind. And don't let yourself get distracted or procrastinate if you still have things on your to-do list. Yeah, and there is a time for relaxing and you shouldn't avoid that. But if you're trying to get work done, you need to actually focus on working instead of like half relaxing during mm-hmm. work. Like get the yeah. work done and then fully relax. Right. Um, also, make a commitment to yourself that you will do what needs to get done. Once you start something, don't give up until it's finished. Yeah. Tell yourself that you'll rest or you'll play a game or whatever your personal like reward thing is once you're finished or whatever your relaxation thing is. Yeah. And you know, now that's the carrot dangling in front of you to get the thing done and keep your word to yourself. Uh, that will serve as a, re- a reward and reinforcement for the next time you have to stay on task. So if you go, Hey, I'm going to chill out and play a game after this is done. You freaking do that. Yeah. You don't go, ah, I'm going to do some more work. Like, no, you know, be honest with yourself. Exactly. Look into what is motivating or in this case, not motivating <laughs> you to procrastinate. Back to introspection, you like that's a key element in all of this is looking into yourself and figuring out what's motivating you. You want to try to understand the root of the problem and where it is coming from. Yeah. Are you tired or burnt out from doing too much? Do you need to step back and reevaluate the problem or task? Are there outside considerations like relationship or financial issues that are distracting you? Yeah, and you may just find that the work you're doing isn't challenging enough. This is why I hate timesheets and stuff like that is I feel like that stuff should already be streamlined where I don't have to mess with it and I have to mess with it. It drives me crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I get where you're going from there. Make a 30-day commitment to resist procrastination. This will give you a starting point to building a strong foundation for long-term success. For one month, set aside periods of time that are devoted to completing tasks. This could be a time during your workday to get job tasks completed, or it could be time when you're not at work and you want to accomplish personal goals or work on side projects. Yeah, during this time, you'll feel the urge to procrastinate. But when you do, remind yourself that you're trying to build a habit and you push through that urge because it Mm -hmm. will get weaker if you ignore it. Yeah. So. Finally, you're going to make mistakes. Don't let them ruin your progress. Having a good work ethic means being able to pick yourself up quickly when you fail. Failure is something that's going to happen at some point. None of us are perfect. If you allow it to take up too much of your thought process and to really drag you down, that's going to destroy your motivation and your work ethic. Embrace failure as a learning experience And that will help you to do better in the future. You're not at full productivity right off the bat when you start working. Usually people have some kind of ramp up time. This can be more or less depending on when it happens and what influences are on it. You may have a lot less ramp up early in the day, but you need more when you come back from a meeting. Or you may be a lot more motivated when you come back from that meeting because now you actually get to work. Factor in your ramp up time when you're thinking about your focused work times. Like don't switch from one thing to another without a gap in there because that gap is when you ramp up. You should also accept that you're going to make mistakes and just focus on being excellent. If you do well, no matter what you're doing, you're going to eventually increase your motivation just because, hey, I'm good at this. Mm -hmm. While accepting mistakes is part of the process, still focus on Excellence. A goal to do well, no matter what you're doing, will in itself increase your motivation. Make sure to rest when you're getting tired or burnt out. That's something we've hit on a lot in this episode, but not resting when you're tired opens you up to mistakes that you wouldn't otherwise make. 
death marches may get a product out fast, but they leave mounds of bug fixes in their wake. Yeah, procrastination may be an unhealthy way of dealing with criticism or, you know, like creative blockages. Like I know when you're writing, it's really easy to put it off if you're if you've got writer's block. Yeah. The trick is to not worry about getting the perfect thing out in the first iteration. That's why it's an iter- iteration. Like get something out and then iterate on it. That's the point. Yeah. So guys, to improve your work ethic takes effort, introspection, and discipline. This isn't something that happens overnight. It takes time. You will be working at this for a while and learning about yourself and your own motivations as you go along. Improving your work ethic will benefit you for a long time as well. Not only will your job satisfaction and reputation improve, but you'll improve your efforts in all areas of life. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I just want to share a thought process that I thought was really helpful for me years ago. And it was the realization that time is the only resource that you actually have. Everything else is a projection of that. The amount of money you have is a projection of the amount of time you have. It's either time building investments and you know seeing those investments come to fruition, or it's time working as a Walmart greeter. Mm-hmm. But those people that are in those positions have about the same amount of time but they're getting vastly different results because they're utilizing that time efficiently. Your work ethic, if you can improve it, you will be using your time more efficiently and it will pay more eventually. So be really, really conscientious of that and start thinking about, am I actually using this time for what is the best purpose for me for it? That's all I got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.